good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. I don't know. I don't know about you, but uh, I, you know, I always, I have, I all the time have my mind going, kind of trying to keep in mind Christ and the kingdom, and then looking at many things around me in this world that are incredibly disappointing, in some cases devastating, certainly tragic, very painful. And I always keep asking myself, who do I really believe is on the throne here? The 20th century, by the way, you can see see this conflict, the conflict between the city of God and the city of man. It's been going on since the fall. Uh, the human race, and Tower Babel is a good example of it. The human race is always trying to achieve its needs through its its own efforts, uh, through its own plans, through its own set of values, uh, and generally ignoring how God has revealed himself and who he is. And the 20th century saw a lot of this, as, as Christianity ceased to be a really live factor uh, in European and North American uh, culture, we saw uh, really unashamed efforts uh, to establish the city of man and to rid our world of reference concept of God. We had the Bolshevik Revolution, uh, established again the atheistic Soviet Union. We had Mao Zedong's revolution in China. And we had 20th century elites in the literature and politics and economics uh, trying to establish, again, what I think from St. Augustine's work we would call the city of man. This is the, the work of human beings without reference uh, to God. And let me show you how hypocritical and misguided some of the efforts can be. I'll, I'll mention just one. The 20th century French existentialist philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre atheist all the way through. Um, But he was trying to build his city of man. Atheism, he said, is the persuasion that man is the creator and that he is abandoned, that he's alone in this world. But of course, we're not alone. Um, You know, because we're made in the image and likeness of God, we can't help but make moral judgments. And indeed, Jean-Paul Sartre might have said there's no such thing as objective morality, but he was always making moral judgments. Uh, He kept thinking that he could establish a solid atheist moral code without reference to God. It was a disaster, by the way. He defended Stalin, even at the time that Khrushchev was denouncing uh, the dictator. during a notorious trial of uh, three men guilty of sex with minors, Sartre was calling for the lowering of the age of consent and for the sexual liberation of teenagers. Sartre urged the Soviet Union, in fact, to use nuclear weapons against us during the Vietnam War. Sartre, like a lot of the uh, stellar 20th century atheists, Bertrand Russell, uh, Carl Sagan, B.F. Skinner, Emma Gold, John Dewey, uh, Fidel Castro, taught that human beings can't be truly free if God exists, because God is the boundary maker. He sets limits to who we are and what we can do. 
Now, in the 21st century, we're seeing similar atheistic projections of a happy future as long as we simply disregard God and how he's revealed himself in the human conscience and in uh, nature. And there are many groups like this. Uh, what they join, what they have together is they believe that human beings are alone in this universe. And so we have to make our own law. We have to be autonomous. And we have to build uh, the kind of brave new world uh, without God that will give us what we want. And um, they are embracing eugenics and artificial intelligence, test tube creation of humans, even human-animal hybrids. And they're hoping that this is going to somehow achieve a certain kind of immortality, I think. Some of them are even trying to reverse engineer the human genome so we might live forever. Uh, Now, these may be fantasies, but in truth, respected pioneers in the various sciences are getting large grants to pursue these broad plans. I I talk about this at some length in my book, Dangers to the Faith, where I, I describe how this is really shaking up the culture the nation, and even the church. We are living in a time when elites uh, in the university, Hollywood, the news media, corporate America, where they are in fact envisioning a new moment in human history. They think evolution has now become conscious of itself. That's the key point. They keep thinking that we've reached this point where the evolutionary process Uh, Nature has become conscious of itself because it has evolved self-conscious beings called humans. And now these human beings must consciously choose the next stage of human evolution. There's no God. There's no intelligence that's going to direct the next stage of evolution. And that's the worldview of what I call evolutionism. And you see it most clearly in the writings of those authors who are commonly called transhumanists. They reject any essential human nature. They reject any objective morality, and they reject God. The U.S. Supreme Court, in fact, has a view similar to this, where they say at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. And we see how that has worked out. You know, at the heart of liberty is the right to define marriage without reference to the objective realities of male and female. Uh, at the heart of liberty is really to deny those realities of God and nature that get in the way of what we want. And that was the temptation in the garden in the first place. Disregard God who created you so that you might taste of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for yourself. And then you'll no longer need God because, frankly, you will have become God. Now, the wicked irony is that uh, the humans were already godlike. They were created in his image and likeness. But Satan persuaded them that they ought to become the ultimate reality, God himself. Christ came to restart the human project, to redeem the human race. He's the last Adam who started this new race, which is regenerate through faith and baptism, a new people. He inaugurated the kingdom of God in his coming. That divine word took on human flesh entered the historical, or if you want, the evolutionary process, and has in fact given us a vision of the kingdom of God, in which there'll be a unity of human beings with each other, a unity with natural order of things, certainly a unity with God, and ourselves will be 
all that we were created to be. We'll be perfectly who we are supposed to be. But you can't have a kingdom of God without citizens. And the whole process of discipleship is to render us fit to be citizens of that kingdom. So we've been watching the shaking of the heavens and the earth, the nations, the church, a lot of chaos here. And many of us are preoccupied with what's going wrong with this world, what's going wrong with the church. And we're preoccupied trying to figure out who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, what list of institutions can we trust, which are the ones that the devil's using, what individuals line up with us. One thing I can guarantee is that in the end, you're going to find out that your lists were wrong. Because the line that divides citizens of the city of God from citizens of the city of man is the line that runs through each human heart. That's the line between good and evil. You can't see the kingdom of God, the reign of Christ, until you are personally acting out the will of God. In other words, we must first be fit citizens for God's kingdom before we can truly bear witness to that. Now, I know. Most of you are probably not engaged in regular mortal sin. You know, you probably think that you're pretty good people. Uh, you do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Um, but let me bear down on that just a little bit, if you don't mind. How often have you been in a group conversation and felt as though you weren't being given the attention you deserve? Or that people weren't listening to you? Or that your opinions were ignored? Um, the truth is, Maybe your opinions deserve to be ignored, you know. St. Paul says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Or maybe, in fact, though, you have worked hard on a project and you didn't get the credit that you believe you deserve. It happens. Or maybe because of that, you fly off the handle and you express angry words to someone and try to cut that person down to size. We'd all like to think that if we did that, if we had this outburst of anger, that if somebody called us out on it, we'd be quick to repent, ask the person that we just scalded with our tongue to forgive us. But what is your usual default position when you're corrected for a moral offense? I know it might be something like this, because this is what I've done. Well, look, that's not really how I am. I'm I'm really a good person. I'm not perfect, but I try to do my best. This this was just an error. I, I was confused. I got I was off balance. I said a few things that yeah I wish I hadn't. But you know, don't don't you don't need to come down hard on me. Um, I do try to live by the golden rule. Really, do we really do unto others as we would have them do unto us? Do we really work as hard at understanding other people? as we want them to work hard at understanding us. Do I meet the needs of other people with the eagerness, the promptness, the fastidiousness, the energy with which I want other people to meet my needs? I don't come close. So in some way, it's a sham to say, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty much living up to my own standards. Nobody lives up to their own standards. We don't come close at all. And when I'm in that default position of defending myself and saying, you know, I'm a good person after all, I'm failing to recognize what kind of person I need to be to live as a citizen of the kingdom. You know, so we're living at an important time 
in human history. There is a whole lot of shaking going on. And what bothers me most about a lot of the conversation that goes on in my life, you know, on the air, uh, in the newspapers, uh, in social media, what bothers me so much about the shaking that's going on is that it's taking our attention off our principal task of becoming the person Christ wants us to be. We live to bear witness to his kingdom, and yet most of our conversation is spent bearing witness to what's gone wrong in this world. Instead of reminding people that Christ is really on the throne, and he is Lord, and he reigns over all, we spend a lot of our time taking a look at how Satan, the god of this world, has made things miserable. And that's not bearing witness to the kingdom. I'm Al Cresta.